All right, everybody, welcome back to episode three of our Fed of T podcast. Today, we're going to be covering a few beginner, a quick beginner guide for new fantasy football players. So, we're going to go over the very basics, um, a few draft strategies. Uh, we're going to talk about bye weeks a little bit, and whether those are important, and then a few other, a uh, few other specific, um, specific guys, specific uh, strategies. So, to start off for those who are new to fantasy. There's basically two, um, two like central. Uh, uh, scoring systems. The first one is PPR, or points per reception. Um, so basically, and the other one is standard. So basically, the only difference is that in PPR, um, wide receivers and running backs and tight ends, they all get a, uh, for each reception a player records. That's an extra point, which generally changes the draft strategy between. Uh, it'll probably favor more um, short yardage players, such as running backs and receivers who can catch a lot of passes, as opposed to either deep threats or um, or players who don't necessarily catch a lot of passes, such as, for example, Derrick Henry is a much better option in standard leagues than he is in PPR. Um, half PPR is also in the mix as well, uh, which is basically in between. Pranay, anything else you want to add? No, I think that's good, um, at least in terms of scoring format. Yeah, definitely pass-catching backs, like you said. St- Derrick Henry is going to be better in standard. Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, those types who are just pure rushing figures Hello? are going to be much uh, better in standard formats than PPR. In PPR, you're going to go for more of those pass-catch, at least in terms of running backs, you'll want to go for more of those pass-catching running backs. A couple of examples being Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, um, if you really want to consider him as now, Najee Harris, um, though some people have their qualms on him. But, um, yeah, definitely pass-catching running backs are more valuable in the PPR scoring system than uh, for normal. Yep. And then so the other, I guess, uh, general guideline, a uh, general um, uh, setting option is how to do your draft. So the two options are auction or snake drafts. Um, those are the two main um, primary options that people will use. So for auction drafts is basically you're given a certain budget. Um, you can use use that budget to bid on players as you as they get nominated. Um, so generally, earlier players are going to garner a lot, um, a much larger chunk of your budget than later players. So, but um, we're going to generally cover uh, snake drafts. So especially for this um, this beginners podcast. So basically, how snake drafts works is everyone in your team takes turns picking a player. Once everyone's picked a player, the uh, order of that which you got that uh, you guys pick your players is reversed. So for example, if you pick first in the first round, you're going to pick last in the second round, and then you're once again going to pick first in the third round, and so on and so forth. Um, so we're generally going to cover um, snake drafts and redraft leagues, which means um, you draft a new team every year. Um, and we're also probably going to focus a little more on PPR. Uh, so, Pranay, you spoke a little bit about um, some of the players, some of the general, I guess, general strategies. So, generally, how you want to go about taking your players is you want to take some of the more important skill position players early. So, primarily running backs and um, wide receivers go early. For example, the um, first overall pick in basically any given season is going to be a running back, strictly because there are fewer of them and. A work, true workhorse running back can be the diff, can be make a huge difference for your teams. Yeah. So to add to that, the the reason why running backs are taken so early in drafts, uh, in addition to there being so few of them, are that the difference between the number one ranked running back and the number ten ranked running back is going to be significantly, significantly greater 
than an average points per game than the difference between the number one wide receiver and the number 10 wide receiver in the league. That just always happens to play out. And so given both the lack of availability of running backs and also the greater disparity in points between the top and the bottom, running backs tend to be heavily favored at the beginning rounds and tend to go pretty early on between one, two and early third round. Uh, Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, as a quick example, so the number one running back last year was Jonathan Taylor, who scored 333. Oh, this is standard. Sorry. Um, In PPR leagues, he scored 373 points. Um, The number 12 running back was Josh Jacobs, who scored like 150 points fewer than that, which is about, um, it's about a, um, what is that, like a pointage a game average? Uh, which can, oh, am I doing that wrong? No, I'm sorry, not even close, it's like 10 points a game average. Um, yeah, and for, uh, by comparison, the difference between Cooper Cup, who was the number one receiver last year, and Mike Williams was, oh, wow, actually, I, uh, <laughs> You know what? Cooper Cup was actually one of the uh, crazy historical player last year. He was he went pretty late too. So Cooper he was Cup a was round. historic. He was, he was, was a this is actually this is actually crazy. I didn't realize I didn't actually didn't realize how big of a difference it was. He was averaging like twenty six points a game. Like even Christian McCaffrey at his best was like twenty nine or something. Like that's insane. Like he was like a full like five points per game over the wide receiver two Devontae Adams. That's insane, actually. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. I had both of those receivers actually last year on my team. I had both Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams, and I still lost that league, unfortunately, <laughs> given that I went up against Jamar Chase. In the oh, Chase. my God. Jamar Chase. Uh, so that's a uh, Jamar Chase rookie wide receiver last year. We're going to cover that at a, um, a little later on today. So we'll, if you guys want to hear more about rookie wide receivers, stay tuned for our next episode. Um, but generally um, – all right, I'll, I'll broaden it a little bit. The generally, the difference between like a RB one, let's say like running back, generally means running back um, ranked in the top twelve, aka somebody who's um, who should be considered like the best on the, who should be considered like a, the best for their team. Um, there's a massive drop off between like kind of those guys and somebody later on. Um, for example, the RB twenty four, um, James Robinson last year averaged around. Um, he averaged around a twelve. He had some. He had some a couple of weeks that were hurt. Um, Twenty five was Miles Gaskin, who averaged around ten. Um, the difference between and then versus like a guy like um, T Higgins, who averaged fifteen. He was a wide receiver twenty four. So there's really not a big drop off. You can still find some really good uh, Cooper Cup. His Cooper Cup is generally considered a um, an outlier because of how good he was last year. But other than that, you can generally the depth of the wide receiver positions. Major outlier. That's actually insane. He was uh he was he won the triple crown last year, which means he led the league in receptions, yards, and touchdowns, which is very difficult. Very difficult. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty unreal. Um, so that's generally why you want to stick with um take run take running backs a little bit earlier. Yep. No, absolutely. All right, and then Pradey, how do you uh, how do you generally go about handling tight ends? So in terms of tight ends, I'd say that they're a tricky position in the league because for the most part, the top two or three guys tend to stay on, stay at the top two or three for pretty consistently this year. Those two, I'd say top two are Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. Yeah. Um, people for the most part have them as their consensus one and two picks. So in terms of a tier system, you would consider your S tier tight ends to be those two outside of that 
you maybe have an A tier of Darren Waller, George Kittle, Kyle Pitts, and if you want, maybe Darren Waller even falls down to a B tier if you really push it. I still have him in the A tier. But after that, you have three or four tight ends generally who will fall into the A tier round. Those t- Any tight end that's in the S tier think it's safe to draft anywhere between rounds two to three, I would say. Anytime you draft a tight end with your first round pick, I always say that's a stretch. But anywhere from the second to third round pick, take your S tier tight ends. After that, between rounds three to six, three to seven is always fair game for your A tier, B tier tight ends. And then after that is generally where you pick some sleeper tight ends. So any backups, maybe like um, a Cole Kmet, Pat Fryermuth, um, and Irv Smith, any one of those yeah. who would maybe fall into your BC tiers that uh, you ultimately just want to take a flyer on. Um, yeah, so this year, um, there's generally, as you mentioned, the S tiers, basically Andrews and Kelsey. This year's a little interesting because uh, Kyle Pitts is a guy that's um, generally considered the third uh, wide tight end off the board. It's a little interesting because he's in his second year, the new quarterback, um, had a great rookie season by the standards of a rookie tight end. Uh, rookie tight ends generally don't do as well as he did, but he only scored one touchdown, even though he went over a thousand yards. So um, he's being drafted like between two tiers. He's kind of like in a tier of his own. He's going after Andrews and Kelsey. Um his upside is on his upside is like tight end one overall upside. Um, but at the same time, you still kind of want to see it happen. I like take like going for him. I mean, at the end of the day, I like, I think you play to win. You play to win. If Kyle Pitts is a league winning talent, it's, you know, why not go for it? Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, he's kind of a, he's kind of a rare scenario. Yeah. In my 10 person PPR redraft league, um, just about four or five days ago when we had the draft, Kyle Pitts went in the middle, spot on exact middle of the third round. And um, oh, wow. the guy who took him is in line with your thoughts, Brett. Right after Andrews and Kelsey, he got taken. For me, I thought that was still a little bit of a reach um, because there are still elite running backs and receivers on the board at that point. Um, and I'm not sure that I necessarily consider Kyle Pitts to be elite at this current point in time. Not to say that from a football perspective, he's not elite because he broke receiving tight, he broke rookie tight end records by miles and miles. So he definitely yeah. is an elite receiving tight end for sure. But whether he's elite from a fantasy perspective, I'm unsure it about. Makes me see. But that that's also up for debate. The end of the season will will tell us. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, if you're like so, if you're drafting him that early, you're you're banking on him taking a massive leap in year two, which makes sense because um, his new quarterback Marcus. I, I this is this is the big thing for me is that his new quarterback Marcus Mariota um, loves starting tight ends. Uh, he played like he started one game with the Raiders in his tenure there, and in that game, Darren Waller had like thirty something points. Uh, he made Delaney Walker a top five tight end. So I I'm personally I personally believe in it. Also. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So he also beyond that, he also he has one receiver to throw to, and that receiver is a rookie in Drake London. So um, he has like no proven options really. It's Cordero Patterson, who's like basically a man without a position. Um, if this offense is going to do anything this year, it's Kyle Pitts kind of going to have to have a monster year. So I think that's kind of logic there for me at least. Um. But anyway, if you're missing out on... I'll, I'll address that. 
Yeah, I'll address that point further in like the the rookie receivers. Oh yeah, yeah. Talking about Drake London, but personally, at least on my end, I think you know I I kind of agree. I think Kyle Pitts may take that like bit of a bit of a step up because he's the focal point of the offense. But nevertheless, I I think people very much you know overestimate the the value of the Falcons' offense this year when it comes to it. I don't think they're going to be good at all. Um, and so because of that, I think that's going to ultimately limit his ceiling um, that people are projecting him at. And additionally, with Drake London, I'll talk about this more, but just real brief, Drake London's going to be lined up as an X receiver. Because of that, Kyle Pitts will be lined up less as an X receiver, which he was heavily last year during his rookie season. And so you may see him lined up in the slot a lot, which may lead to more receptions. Maybe a couple, he'll obviously have positive touchdown regression this year. So yeah, there, there are hard. pros and cons to consider with that, but for the most part, you know, uh, I I'd say like pretty pretty positive signs with some definite cause for um, caution with Kyle. Pitch. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like he has he has that league winning potential, but at the same time, he also like he also has some risks, like inherent risks too. So I personally, I was I drafted ninth overall in a um, in a draft a couple days ago. Um, I took Kyle Pitts in the third round, mostly because I took um, I started off with Najee Harris and Leonard Fournette, so I stuck with the um, running back strategy, running back early strategy. Yeah, so those are two. Najee Harris, one of the safest players this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's a really young guy. He's got the workload pretty much tune into episode one for up. that one. Yeah, tune into Pernay. Pernay loves that guy. I don't disagree. Um, Leonard Fournette, I feel like he's going. He's a guy who's going a little bit under the radar. I think the biggest concern with him is his aging and the Buccaneers' offensive line taking some injury hits. Uh, but regardless, I think those are two possible. I think it's possibly two RB ones right there. And then I followed up. So picking in the ninth overall, I kind of my third round pick wound up in like a little bit of a weird zone where like kind of missed out on some of those higher. I'm kind of missed out. I feel like I missed out on some of those higher end wide receivers. Um, I could have gone for a guy like like Jalen Waddle there. Um, Instead, I decided to try my hand out with Kyle Pitts, so I kind of pushed my receivers down the line. Um, so, yeah, that also that's also another part of the strategy is um, basically how your draft is going to go should be determined by how you start a little yeah. bit. So, for example, my, I didn't take a single wide receiver with my first three picks, which is a bit bold. So at, what I did instead was I just started hammering the wide receiver position. Um, the way I like to think about it is if you're going to um, – running backs and wide receivers are generally the two most bustable positions, meaning um, those are like the high – those guys are like have like the highest – tight ends too, but um, those aren't – it's not as generally as important to your fantasy success. Success Like you can win without a great tight end, um, but you really can't win without yeah. great receivers just, and running backs. Uh, just to break down yeah, – just to break down a little bit of that strategy for – for these beginners that are watching this episode and not really understanding kind of what these strategies entail. If you're going to be watching a good number of fantasy podcasts, fantasy reviews, ESPN analysts, Yahoo fantasy, whatever you want to tune into a lot of times you're going to hear in the fantasy community. A lot of people talk about a hero RB or a zero RB strategy to start off. What they mean by that is hero RB means you draft, two running backs within your first two picks in the first two rounds, or if you have a top two pick, then at the top of the third round um, versus a zero RB strategy means you're likely at the bottom half of the first round in terms of draft order. 
you maybe have anywhere from pick seven through 12 um, and 12 person, for example, and all of a sudden you want to take the best receiver on the board with that pick and then want to match it with another top tier receiver so that you have the best receiving core in the league. That would be a zero RB strategy where then you have to focus on running backs a little bit more heavily. I'd say pretty strong consensus among the fantasy football community is to always favor the hero RB strategy. The hero RB strategy is the most common strategy that ends up winning leagues. However, it obviously depends on each year, what players are available at each spot, and obviously, you know, what what your comfort level is with risk, given that running backs get hurt at a higher frequency than receivers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually, so I think the zero running back strategy is particularly very interesting because you can either, you can wind, like, you can wind up getting some, like, league winning guys later on. So, for example, if you, like, if you, if last year, if you tried the um, zero RB strategy, you could have left the first two rounds with guys like Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, you know, some very, very strong wide receivers and really just not where to concern yourself with running backs. Because guys like Rashad Penny, um, Cordero Patterson, Elijah Mitchell, uh, James Conner, those guys were like those are like four guys right there who wound up um, pretty much returning, like who were basically going undrafted, who wound up helping players win their leagues, and you could have also just got them for free. That's kind of the thing with running backs is that um, you want to get the best ones out there, but a lot of times there you will find some guys in waivers who are either like replacing an injured running back or do they just kind of find themselves in the right opportunity for it. Um, so especially in the like the first like two or three weeks of the season, you really want to be um, watching the waiver wire uh, because you'll never know when you like where you can find like a league winner, for example. Um, I, I took I, I actually took Elijah Mitchell in one of my dynasty leagues last year. Um, and he was like a super late pick that wound up working out really well. Um, but yeah, generally you can, you can find something you really want to keep your eyes peeled on the waiver wire and make sure that, uh, especially for running backs, you want to like try and really find some good opportunities. Um, anyway, so back to back that to- point pertaining to pertaining to the zero RB strategy real quick. Um, last year, the guy who won my league, um, which I'm not, proud about it all because again this is the same guy who beat me in finals week with jamar chase very hurt about it. uh this year's not a revenge tour but nevertheless last year today's um, villain's origin story right there jamar chase i'm so this is my villain jamar chase story, hands down. but um remember that name nevertheless um this guy this year he had the seventh overall pick and he went zero RB strategy, ended up with Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams, last year's number one and number two receivers back-to-back as his receivers, then came back in the third and fourth rounds to take James Conner and Josh Jacobs, which in my opinion are strong mid-round running backs. So ultimately his team right now is the highest projected team. Obviously projections don't really mean anything going into week one, but nevertheless he wound up coming up with a pretty strong roster for himself after having gone zero RB. So it's not to say that your RB is the only strategy that you have to take. Honestly, is that even, he took James Conner in the third, you said? He took, I believe he took James Conner in the third and then came back for Josh Jacobs at the top of the fourth. Is that even, Josh, I'm not a big Josh Jacobs fan this year. Uh, I think Mike, I think um, Josh McDaniel, I think he's going to pretty much go RB, BC. I hate him for fantasy purposes as a whole, but that's besides the point. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's not really zero RB strategy. I feel like that's kind of, 
I feel like zero. I feel like when people say zero RB, they mean like not taking a running back until like six, seventh or something. But anyway, um, as a general consensus, yeah, um, you can always find like running backs on the waiver wire. So like even if you do get like guys like James Conner and Josh Jacobs, and one of them doesn't work out, um, just keep an eye, keep your eye peeled on the uh, on the waiver wire, um, especially early on. That's when you find like the, that's when you can really find those like league w- winning guys who can finish as like RB ones, um, and that can really make an impact for your fantasy team, especially. One hundred percent. This guy had taken James. Granted, he took James Conner with his third, but okay. then he took DJ Moore with his fourth. It's a good took, pick. Um, and then he came back to take Josh Jacobs with his fifth, and right. then uh, Kyler Murray with his sixth. Interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean that's a strong, that's a strong starting lineup. Um, I'm not a big Josh Jacobs fan, but in that in that specific scenario, if JS, I do think he could thing. be good this year on a productive yeah. offense. See, I think I think his team is entirely reliant on like on James. I don't. I'm I'm just assuming Josh Jacobs is not going to be the same. Um, but I think his entire team is pretty much reliant on James Conner staying healthy because if he can have like James Conner producing as an RB one. Um, Devonte Adams and was it Cooper Cup? Yep. Um, those two guys are going to be really good. DJ Moore is also someone who's fourth round for DJ Moore is a really good pickup. Um, he's he's like a guaranteed wide receiver too, at least. Um, so he'll have a strong, very strong wide receiver core. Um, I'm curious to know what his tight end was, but as long as James Conner stays healthy, he could be like one p- big waiver wire pickup away from seriously competing for a fantasy title. Um. Yep. A hundred percent. It's tied up. Yeah. So it's probably probably not greatest news for you. That's not bad. That's not bad. Um. Anyway, speaking of back to no, tight 100%. ends. Um, All right, my kinda, team's better. Yeah, of course it is. I bet it is. I didn't like that Eckler pick at two, but uh, it's, it's that's all you, buddy. Um. Anyway, back to uh, back to tight ends. So. <laughs> uh. We so we kind of I feel like we kind of tailed off after the uh after talking about Kyle Pitts. Um. There's like a, then the next tier pretty much involves um, guys like Dalton. I think the next tier consists of like guys like Dalton Schultz, George Kittle, and Darren Waller, guys who have done it in the past and find themselves in like great situations to continue performing well. Um, so I think those are strong te ones where like you can really. I think that's kind of one of my preferred ranges to draft a tight end because um, I think Waller yep. and Kittle. I think Kittle especially might be going a little overpriced right now, um, depending on your. On the, um, I think if he's going close to Kyle Pitts, I'd I'd stay away from I'd, I'd, any um any of those guys. I like I like Schultz the best out of them, but um, regardless, I think those like picking getting one of those tight ends really allows you to like really round out the rest of your team and allow allow you to get like running a couple running backs, a couple receivers, um, maybe a quarterback in there. Um, I think after that is kind of when you're getting into the ceilings a little bit capped in terms of tight ends. So I think. Generally, as, as a consensus, you don't need to, you do not need to draft a backup tight end, quarterback, defense, or kicker. That's my rule. Um, I think you, I if you're going to, you, I love that you mentioned Dalton Schultz in that range too, right? Because I wound up good. getting him at the top of the seventh round, and I was like, "Wow, for that's that tier two guy, that's pretty top of the seven. That's a great right pick right there. Right. That's a great um, pick right there." No, absolutely. To address your George Kittle um, point, though, I will say I, I'm personally am a little bit higher on Kittle this year just because of Trey Lance, and I think it'll be a much more passing potent offense, and because of that, Kittle will benefit from it 100%. Fair, 
fair enough. Um, I'm not like out on Kittle at all by, by any means at all. Uh, I, I made the uh, I made the uh, Mahomes comparison a couple uh, last time. Um, that was definitely bold, but if if that's even close to true, then Kittle should be looking good. Um, but realistically speaking, I I kind of want to see how he plays with Lance before I go for Kittle. You know, if Jimmy G was still there, he'd still be like kind of in the top four. Way, that that's actually. Yeah, and that actually brings up another great point for for beginners, right? And that's when people discuss in the fantasy football community and they say they're low on a given player or they're high on a given player, right? That's not to say that they're necessarily going to take them with their first rounder, second rounder, third rounder. That's simply, and if they're low on a given player, that's not to say that they're not going to draft them at all. Generally, what they're talking about is it's all relative. What when they yeah, say exactly. they're high on a player, they're high. They're generally high on a player relative to their ADP or average draft position, which you know is where on average the player is going in each draft. So, for example, when Brett says he's low on George Kittle with his given price, he might be overpriced. What Brett is saying is that if George Kittle is a projected thirty eighth overall fourth pick, pick, yeah, thirtieth pick, then Brett finds that. Yeah, then Brett finds that range to be just a little bit high for Kittle, and maybe Brett would still take him at 55, 60 if he happens to fault him there. No, that was that was beautiful explanation. Um, I think yeah, if, if like George Kittle, I think he's a guy. Um, when I, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. When I say I'm like low on him, I mean at his current value, at his current price. Um, that's the big thing about fantasy football is that a lot of it's relative. Um, one one thing that I um, generally that I guess it plagues even the best of us, including myself, is kind of forgetting a little bit, forgetting that a little bit that kind of rule a little bit too much, and kind of, for example, if a player that you're lower on winds up falling, um, and there's a kind of a guy that you were thinking of targeting at like a certain round, for example, um, let's say uh, let's say. Brees Hall winds up falling to the seventh or eighth round. I've made it clear that I'm very low on him this year, but at the seventh or eighth round, um, I would. That's probably smart. It'd probably be smart for me to take him pick over him a, over a guy that I'm higher on at a later round. Um, even if I might be extremely tempted to go for the other guy. Um, so yeah, make sure to keep uh, valuations kind of in perspective. Um, player stock could change at any point within a given draft. It could slip or rise at any point. Um, and yeah, but uh, so I guess I guess anyway, back to uh, what we were getting at before. Um, let's close out the tight end discussion. So I think anything after those top six guys, I think you want to kind of get somebody with. A, I think that's where I think that's, I think that's kind of after that is when you'd want to take two tight ends as opposed to one. I think if you're getting one of those top six guys, you do not need a backup tight end. But if you're taking anybody after that, it's probably smart to pair. For example, like your boy took TJ Hawkinson, pair him with maybe like a higher upside guy later on. Um, for exactly. example, Albert. Yeah, like Albert. Um, and I'm happy about that. There you go. That's good. Uh, maybe steal some of those, steal some of those uh, targets. But uh, anyway, guys like um, Albert O. I I can't pronounce that guy's name. Albert O. For the Broncos. Uh, that's all I can. I, I can't pronounce his name. Do you have an idea? Albert O. That's all, that's all it is. Uh, he's going. for me to try. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Um, but yeah, he's going basically undrafted, so you, he's a great, great cop if you if you start off with like kind of like a lower end te one, um, or kind of a lower end starting quality tight end. So 
TJ Hawkinson or later, I guess. Yeah, I would probably grab a guy like the Broncos tight end. Um. Anyway, you want to talk about uh, talk about quarterbacks? We can, we can then close out. Yeah, I, I was just about to say. Oh, actually, I totally forgot about quarterbacks. I was going quarterbacks are pretty important too. But yes, yeah, so let's talk about quarterbacks real quick. Um, quarterbacks, and I have my, I have my defense strategy too. How points are scored? You have to understand beginners. You have to understand how points are scored for quarterbacks in your league. In my league, my league's different from most other leagues. Yeah. In my league, quarterback touchdowns count as six points, whereas in most leagues, I believe the standard is for quarterback touchdowns to count as four points. So you definitely have to look at your league structuring, understand how the points are scored for quarterbacks, and analyze accordingly. Now, when it comes to drafting quarterbacks, here's how my general understanding is. There's, just as I was mentioning with tight ends, how there's an S tier, A tier, B tier, C tier. That, just, that applies to any position as well. Quarterbacks are no exception. Now, the S tier for quarterbacks, there generally happens to Josh be Allen. only one guy in that list this year, and that happens to be Josh Allen. Hands down, yeah. Josh Allen Hands is down. the number one pick by far this year, and his ADP is hot. Granted, for a quarterback, yeah. his ADP is immensely high. His ADP goes from mid-second to bottom of the third and it doesn't really fall past the third round which is unbelievable for most no, you drafts, have, I feel like he's you know? generally on third or fourth um, personally still yeah he's, he's maybe going, my, he's in my high. draft he it's went in high. at the bottom of the second yeah no, in no, my no, draft no. he went out at your the bottom draft, of the so second and when you're dealing with that kind of that scoring system blew my mind well, yours is a little different because if quarterback touchdowns count for six points instead of four, that's actually like a really good range for him because he's that much of a difference maker. I would take him second end of second round yep. in that kind of a league too. Uh, so definitely, that's a, yep. a great point. Know your like study your league's scoring system, your scoring settings before you go into the draft. Um, it's great to know um, little minor, minor details like that, like how much whether quarterback touchdown counts for four or six can make or break your entire season. Um, and yeah, because a guy like Josh Allen, he throws four touchdowns in a game um, versus a guy that's throwing two. Yep. Usually that'd be an extra like eight yep. points. In this case, it's an extra what, 12 points, which is might sound small, but it's it's a big, di- like over extrapolated over the course of an entire season. It's a big difference. Um, anyway, yep. when it comes to quarterbacks. Then, at least when it comes to quarterbacks, like the second tier generally happens to be a little bit broader. It happens to be that Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and then I throw in three other quarterbacks into that mix. Those happen to be the three quarterbacks with legs. And that's Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. I don't care where you rank either of them. I think it's all up for fate to decide. But nevertheless, those five quarterbacks generally go in tier two, and or the A tier, and those quarterbacks should ideally – fall anywhere between the fourth and sixth round, six rounds of any draft. If you find an A-tier quarterback in the seventh round and beyond in the draft, I say you should pick him up immediately. Yeah, um, but At fair. least for my, my league, which is a six-point QB scoring league, that quarterbacks, A-tier quarterbacks don't fall past Probably third round, period. Um, nor should they, you know. Yeah, I think that's more, I think in your so league it's more like understand. third to fifth. Also, if you're... Yep. If you're in a league with two QBs as well, I believe for the most part, yeah. QBs are drafted first. First round. round. Those first round. Yeah. Um, so understand whether you're in. Yep. So I understand whether you're. In That's another part of it. As well. 
also add on that the other thing the other um thing that you should look at um pertinent to your league is how many is the uh, roster size and makeup uh pretty we're doing a league later this week where um instead of two wide receivers and a flex on your team you're gonna have three wide receivers and a flex um which won't add like a ton of it won't add because of how many receivers are already on the team it won't, won't add a ton of value won't completely change the um strategy you're using but definitely makes the wide receiver position that much more important. You're kind of, you're going to need to uh, really focus on guys with, um, you're going to want some guys, some actually like an, that extra guy with a higher floor or basically what that means. Um, he's a bit, bit of a safer pick. So you're going to want to kind of target that extra wide receiver as opposed to um, it's normal league. Um, anyway, back to quarterbacks. I would personally go, I'd personally go Allen. Um, and then I'd, I'd probably go right to like Lamar and Hertz. I think those are two guys who could be QB one overall as well. I think it's just the top three guys anyway. Um, besides the, other than that, I really, I generally don't like reaching on quarterbacks. I generally like trying to stack my team with as much talent as possible because um, quarterbacks, the most important position in real football, but when it comes to fantasy football, you can find great quarterbacks at any point, you can even just stream them if you want. Um, you can generally, like, if you find a quarterback with a bad matchup, like, you can just take a guy who, you know, like, has some good rushing upside and maybe have, like, Ryan Tannehill is a great example of a guy who's, like, generally, like, Trey you know, Lance. 12. Trey Lance this year. I love Trey Lance this year. That's one of the other reasons why I try, I'm trying yep. to uh, pretty much wait on quarterbacks. I've done two drafts so far. I have not yep. gotten him either time. I'm really annoyed about that because both times I've really waited for a quarterback. I'm like, all right, so now like guys like Tom Brady, Dak, Russell are going to go, and then Trey Lance is like the sixth or seventh quarterback taken. And it's really annoying because I think yep. that guy could be like – he could also be like a league winner, especially if you get him like later than like the eighth or ninth round. Like he can be a real like league winner. He has the rushing upside for it. That's the other thing with quarterbacks is that um, because – I'm like your league's a little different because pass touchdowns are six points, um, but in general, generally – in a league where quarterback touchdowns are four points and pass, uh, or sorry, other way, uh, yeah, quarterback pass touchdowns are four points and rushing touchdowns are six. You want to go for a guy with um, greater rushing upside, and also beyond that, rushing yards are um, generally you got a brush, you got a point for ten yard, ten rush yards versus a point for twenty five passing yards. So a guy like two hundred yards for a guy like Lamar Jackson fantasy is not the same as two hundred yards for a guy like uh, Tom Brady because. Tom Brady, he's not going to rush at all. So 200 yards is like eight points. Lamar can easily turn that into like 70, can get like 130 pass yards and 70 rushing yards. Um, that's seven points just running the football right then and there. So that's an extra like couple points in passing game too. So like just generally rushing yards are rush, like quarterbacks that can run the football are just that much more important. Um, Trey Lance has that kind of upside when it comes to running the football. He also has a cannon arm. He has a great, um, great offensive head coach and some solid weapons as well. So he's between Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. So he's one of my favorite quarterback targets um, this year. Um, but so, yeah, generally you can yep. pretty much just wait on a quarterback. No, I, yeah, I don't think you need to take a backup quarterback at all. Um, you can generally stream those guys. Um, if you want a backup quarterback, one guy that I like this year is Tua Tagovailoa. He, they got a much better offensive head coach. They got Tyreek Hill. Year to face does not seem like you agree with that. But anyway, I'll keep going. Uh, they added Tyreek Hill, so they should be a much better offense this year. Um, Pernay, what are your thoughts on that? No, I actually you, – you thought I was there in you. disagreement. I was smiling because I'm actually totally in agreement with you. Okay, awesome. Um, Interesting. One of the guys in my league 
everybody everybody was joking around because he didn't draft a quarterback until the 14th round of our draft. And the quarterback they ended up with as a starting Tua. quarterback was Tua Tagovailoa. And I, I like looked that. at him and I said, you have a great quarterback smart. on your team right now. You should not be upset yeah. that you didn't get like one of the top tiers because I do think that Tua – with it, it's almost impossible for a man – with Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Mike Asicki, and Chase Edmonds to not put up good fantasy games. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like if he oh, can't do it this year, I, if I were the Dolphins franchise, I'd get rid of him. Also this is Cedric his year. Wilson. This is make or break. This is his so, make or break you know, year. He has everything in place this year. I this also is like make that. Or break year. We just spoke about rushing upside. Ty, uh, Tua, I don't know how many rushing. I, I got to double check how many rushing yards he generally gets, but like he can run the football. I think he's, he's like all too mobile. He's not too mobile. Like, or he's mobile, but he's not like not in, like a. Uh, not in like a big rushing way. Um, let me say it. But anyway, I think he has, he's a guy that like, that's the, Oh wow. Actually not much at all. He ran for like 128 yards this year. All right. I take that back. Regardless. I still think he's, um, he's a guy that has, should be uh, much improved this year. And he's going, as you just said, in like the 14th round of draft. So if you pass on a quarterback altogether, like that's a great example of a guy you could target and it could still put up a solid, uh, put up a solid season, and like the difference between a guy like the QB twelve and the QB like four or five is generally not going to be very big. So like quarterbacks generally a position you want to wait on or even stream. Um, straight when when people say stream, that means um just whenever you need one, just pick up a new, just replace them on off from the waiver wire. Um, there's generally good quarter, always good quarterbacks on the waiver wire who can have a good week. You have to be smart about who you pick up for a given week, but um. You could definitely make that work too. And speaking of 14th round slash waiver wire, let's transition to one of my favorite topics, which is defenses and kickers. Now, last. at least when it starts off with this, and Brett, I know you have a few notes on this point, so uh, I'll let you take the reins in a second. But just to add my quick notes on this, um, I think it's very important when it comes to where you draft your defense and kicker, and I think it's very important to understand the best defenses from what's an average defense and one that you would otherwise stretch on. This year, for me, I'd say the top defense hands down is the Buffalo Bills. I think, no doubt, without question, they have zero holes on paper in my mind. And so staying healthy, I do see them finishing as a top three and most likely the top defense in the league. And then outside of that, I really, truly don't see all too much value in drafting a defense. I think you could make an argument for any of the following three, and that's Tampa Bay, that's San Francisco 49ers, and that's also the LA Chargers. And I think really, truly outside of those three, it's you, you might as well just wait until the second to last round of your draft and then take a kicker in your last round. And for me, I know a lot of people like to stretch on taking a Justin Tucker as the first kicker off the board. A lot of people are high on Evan McPherson this year. For me personally, I I'll, I usually stay away from all that. I usually take my fantasy sleepers at running back and receiver and yeah. tight end and even maybe a second backup quarterback um, before I end up taking those because no matter what, the disparity in points between the top kicker and even the 15th, 16th, 17th kicker really is negligent. And also, in any given week, the 15th, 16th, 17th ranked kicker can perform better than the top ranked kicker yeah i mean so like when it comes to defensive kickers i i just say wait um those are some of the two most unpredictable positions in fantasy football especially defense because that's so matchup um oriented 
because you're, a defense's entire week total can be pretty easily predicted based on the offense that they're going against. So for that reason, I you mentioned the Niners. I actually like to, really like the Niners because their first game, two games are against the Chicago Bears and the Seattle Seahawks, two offenses that are projected to really suck this year. So if you want to get like a good defense for the first two weeks, just go for it. Um, beyond that, I just say just stream defenses. Um, just pick up a defense every single week based on whatever shitty offense each team is playing. Um, just pretty much go about it that every, way. If anybody wants a great streamer option for week one, you should follow my lead and take who I took. That's the first waiver wire pick in my league, which was the Denver Broncos defense. I like that a lot too. playing against the Seattle Seahawks. Oh my goodness, Russell Wilson! <laughs> I like is that going a lot. Take his revenge against Pete Carroll and Geno Smith is absolutely going to throw one, if not two, picks to the Broncos defense. Pat Sertan's absolutely going to get one of those interceptions, and I'm assuming that he's going to get sacked quite a few times. He, he'll he he'll get some sacks too. So um, I think that um, I think that for week one, for week one specifically, I think the best defense is going to be the 49ers. They're playing the Chicago Bears, who have an awful offensive line. They have, like, zero weapons outside of, like, Darnell Mooney, who's, like, never really gotten it done as a wide receiver one. Um, And beyond that, their, their defense is, like, loaded and ready to go. The only problem with them is that they're going to come a little – like, you'll probably have to get them a few rounds before the last round. So you might if, – if you're, like – if you're confident that you can still get your sleepers later on and, like, it's kind of a dead zone, go for it. Otherwise, I say wait. I personally like the, de- the Miami Dolphins a lot. They're a defense that I feel like the past couple of years have been constantly been going like super under the radar. Like they've been going like undrafted, but they have some like players on the back half of that defense. They can get, they can kind of get to the quarterback and they can, they've scored several touchdowns like each of the past couple of years. So like they have, their defense particularly has upside. I remember last, like last year, one week in, one of the weeks in particular, they were going against like Ian Book of the New Orleans Saints. I was like down by like 13 points and they just like, they're like 14, 15 points, something like that. And they just drop like twenty five points yeah. just out of the blue. Like they, wow, they can win you a week too. Yeah. Um, in terms of in terms of kickers, I that's unpredictable too. I mean, like generally draft based on who has on like who has a good offense. Uh, Daniel Carlson was like the kicker one last year, so he's a good call too. Um, but you could still you can generally find like good kicking talent. Um, from from a fantasy perspective, like on drafts as well. So I say I say I generally say like. Last two picks should be a kicker and a defense. You definitely do not need a backup for either one. Um, and then the final topic that I think we should cover. Oh, yeah, I think the final topic that we should quickly no, go, go over this go really quickly. Uh, I was just um, a segue too. Yeah, I think the final topic that we should cover for fantasy football beginners is bye weeks. We can go over this really quickly. I personally don't think they matter very much. Um, I think that like. You can try and spread them out, but then you're kind of like you're kind of hampering yourself for each of the given weeks. If you want to stack them all, you're pretty much conceding that one week. But like the teams should be pretty strong the rest of the season. Also, you can't predict what's going to happen like during the season. So if you try and spread them out, maybe you know maybe you trade some guys away, maybe you cut some guys, and all of a sudden you wind up with like bye weeks that are kind of stacked. So I personally try not. I don't. I don't pay, give too much mind to uh, bye weeks. The only reason that there could be to um, pay mine to bye weeks bye weeks not being too much of a priority yeah I, um, I do think that um that if you manage to get a lot of players with one given week and you win almost any other week generally i've never had a problem it. with just tanking yeah, one no. week and yeah exactly lean into it say all right this isn't my week and sometimes sometimes you still may win that week it's yeah, exactly. wild how many times it's happened to me 
But sometimes, even when you, you tank in week nine, week ten, you still may win because the other player just happened to tank harder than you did. Sacrificing the leg to save the body. Um, I, I even like in this is this is a little different, but like from. So fantasy fantasy seasons generally do not extend into the last, final week of the fo- football regular season because that's generally a week where teams who have clinched the playoffs they generally rest starters. Um, a couple of years ago, I did a league that extended into the final week of the season because of that. The, my opponent in the championship matchup pretty much had to like take all, like most of it. Like a, he had like a hand very like a strong handful of players who like were just. Um, we're just out. Like some guys had like strongly helped him get to the finals. I'm like, I'm thinking like, wow, I'm gonna easily win this season, win this championship. He started like a bunch of like scrubs. They wound up beating me somehow. I was really mad, but um, it's whatever. It's like you never know what can happen in a given week. Um, the only thing that I would pay attention to this season is um, since they've extended the regular season, they've also extended bye weeks potentially into week fourteen. So guys like Kyle Pitts have week 14 buys, depending on the lead that you're in, that can generally be where the fan, when the fantasy playoffs start, um, depending on the league you're in. I think the one that we're doing later on, I think that's um, starting week 15, so that's not too much of a concern there. But otherwise, that's just something to keep in mind. But um, other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm not too um, I think the final thing Honestly, one thing you should keep in mind, not necessarily too, too heavily when drafting, but on a week-per-week basis, is definitely strength of schedule. And I think you yeah, always yeah. should look at your matchups, and I think this especially applies for running backs. And defenses. Cross positions. Um, yeah, honestly, I can't really specify to one because it applies across any position. If you find any offense going up against the Falcons' defense, you, you want to be playing the quarterback, the running back, the wide receiver, the tight end, and the defense on that team. Just plain, plain and simple this year. Not even right. just the Falcons. And, like, there's a lot of defenses like that. seeing somebody go up. No, 100%. If you see also, somebody going up against, I, I don't know, the, I, I can maybe I can still say the Jags, but if anybody is facing yeah, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, sure. But um, if you see anybody going up against the Jags, same goes. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, even or if even if it's just a good offense, and you know, you think you might get a lot of garbage time points. Jalen Hurts last year sucked the first three quarters of every football game, and then like in garbage time, he'd like rush for two touchdowns and throw for another one, and he just win probably twenty five fantasy points just in like fourth quarters alone. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess that that kind of stuff's hard to predict. Um, just keep it. I guess that's something to keep in mind as you enter your season. Um, I think that with that, we can pretty much wrap up the fantasy for for uh, beginners yep. podcast for today. Um, follow us on my underscore fan ft on Instagram to uh, ask any questions or even just show some support. Um, yeah, we'll see. We see you guys soon for a rookie wide receiver uh, episode. Awesome.